Hello, and welcome back to Motifs Between the Notes podcast, where we invite Rhode Island musicians to perform their original music and then sit down for a discussion about it with our host. Let's begin. Hey, my name's John Fusick, and I'll play some songs I wrote for you. This one's called A Dog's Age. days when I had dogs. It's been a while since I had dogs. I miss my dogs, but 
life goes on. All right, this uh, this next song is a uh, song that I wrote with Marion Rossoni back in the 90s. I was in a duo called Fusic Rossoni. We used to tour around and open for a lot of famous folk names and play a lot of the famous folk rooms. And back in the 90s, people were very environmentally conscious, unlike now, who I don't know what's happened, but people lost that part. This is about a man named Chico Mendes.
Thank you to the three people in the room. Let's see. This is a uh, kind of a, I want to say hopeful love song, maybe. It's a song I wrote for the uh, Rhode Island Songwriters Association, Songwriters in the Round show. And uh, the theme was too late. So at the time, I was in a relationship, and things weren't going quite the way I thought they were supposed to go, and came up with the idea that Love is never too late, and that's the name of this song.
All right, this next song is a uh, probably one of the favorite songs I've ever written. It's a song that I wrote about a friend of mine, and uh, I was talking to another friend once, and I was trying to describe my friend to her, and I called her a tumbleweed because she just never seemed to stay in one place very long. And I wrote this song about her, and uh, unfortunately she died a couple of years ago, so it's become a kind of a bittersweet song now. But uh, this is a song called Tumbleweed. Yeah. 
that's it for me. Thanks, Motif. Hello and welcome back to Motifs Between the Notes at the Parlor, sponsored by Trinity Beer Garden, R1 Indoor Karting, RI Blood Bank, RI Energy, and Mother Earth Wellness. I'm here with John Fusak, who just put on a wonderful performance. How are you doing today, John? Hot. How are you? You're hot? I'm always hot. That's a compliment to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> not that hot. I'm not, I don't refer to myself as hot or cool. I don't use those terms for Give me. Give yourself some credit. Oh, uh, well. I, I'm not very cool. I'm kind of dorky. <laughs> so did you know that you are the longest-running motif person living today? You're still kicking and working for us today. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah I was one of the suckers at, at the beginning that, <laughs> I, got roped in, I got roped into it at the beginning, and uh, I had no idea what, I, what they were doing roping me into it, but... I did it, and I kept doing it, and I still keep doing it. Back Now I think I know what I'm doing. Back then, I had no clues what I was doing. I would just babble and write like 8,000-word columns that went on for pages and pages, and mm -hmm. I think if I didn't write, there wouldn't have been a paper. <laughs> what uh, Do you remember the first article, first issue that you were part of? Before you answer that, I'll just say that I do. Um, and we have it right here. Look at that. That's the first issue that I wrote in? Yeah, that goes back. We believe that this is from issue 12. Issue 12? It must have been earlier. No, no, I think we said... Maybe it was a little bit earlier. This is the one that we could find in the archive. Oh, this is probably... What's the date on this one? I think that, that was 2004. Does it have a date? November. Oh, you know, I started writing a couple of months before this. Okay. So, yeah, this is... Uh, well, that's one of the OG ones from you. Yeah, I have the original column from back home, but... Yeah, oh, look, Rhode Island Folk Festival. That was a one-off thing that they did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were giving out Bob Dylan tickets. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> we got to talk about your, your backstage experience. Yeah. But first, yeah. let me just say, so you do you do a lot with Motif. You do Roots Report, which is another podcast that we have. You've been hosting the Music Awards for over a decade now, <laughs> and you write so many articles. <laughs> I mean, what what is it like talking to the Roots Report? You talk to so many celebrities. You talk to up-and-coming artists. What's What's been your highlight highlight interview so far? Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, I've been interviewing people now for almost 20 years. And it, like the first interview I think I did was, it was either one of the blind boys of Alabama or, um, Los Lobos was one of the first interviews I ever did. And it was a long time ago. I mean, it was really like in the first year or two and I had no clue what I was doing. I didn't really, you know, I had to call somebody on a, you know, my mobile phone, which was a real rinky-dink thing, and the mm -hmm. service was bad, and I was sitting out on the deck trying to talk to everybody, and it was like, I'm writing notes trying to, like, quote people, yeah. and I didn't know what I was doing, but, and I progressed to do, you know, better and better things, learning how to record the interviews, and, and, um, but I think one of my favorite interviews was, uh, well, there's a few favorites, but one of my favorites was the first time I interviewed Todd Rundgren because I talked to him for like an hour and a half, and we just went on and on, and we talked, and he he was just hysterical. It's just he's a funny guy, and it's just you know there seemed like no cap on the conversation because I we just kept talking, mm -hmm. and and sometimes that really I, just flowed. Yeah, it sometimes it just happens. We just you know we click and we start having a conversation, and that's what I like. I I don't ever really call them interviews. I really call them conversations. Because I, I kind of just guide the conversation with questions. And, you know, it, it, it's fun to do. And, you know, I got to talk to people like, I know you probably don't know who this guy is, but for me it was a big deal. Uh, Henry Diltz, he's a photographer. 
He's in a, a, was in a band called the Modern Folk Quartet back in the 60s. He did the albums of like the Mamas and the Papas and oh. uh, uh, The Doors, Crosby, the, the famous Crosby Stills and Nash photo of them on the couch. Were you a bit starstruck? No, I wasn't because it was like he was these people most of the time they're very mellow mm -hmm. and they're very like Henry is a very mellow and cool guy and he's a conversation that I wish I had on tape because it was before I started doing tape and I talked to him for almost two hours and he was probably one of the coolest guys and had the best stories because not only did he shoot the album covers, I mean he shot the Eagles first album, he shot all the, the Eagles album covers and stuff was involved in the Desperado album cover shoot and, you know, the peyote trip out in the desert for the first Eagles album. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he told me those stories. But, I mean, he's friends with Neil Young and Chrysler Stills and Nash and Johnny Mitchell. And, I mean, he was friends with all these people. He hangs out with these people, and he still does. I mean, he's, you know, he's 80. He's in his mid to late 80s now, and he's still out there playing. I mean, uh doing photography and he's doing talks and stuff and I've been trying to hook up another interview with him because he's out on the report, road. Fingers crossed. Yeah, I've been trying and trying. I've you know I'm getting a little closer, but it, the first one was easy because he did a show with the Narrows, which was interesting. And it actually wound up that he was doing a co-bill. I didn't even know it at the time. He was doing a co-bill with Patty Boyd. And if you don't know who Patty Boyd is, Patty Boyd was married to George Harrison and Eric Clapton, and she's the one that Layla is about and uh, something and Wonderful Tonight. She's gotten all these songs written about her, but she bounced from George to, to Eric. And I ended up meeting her as well, and I have a picture with her, and that was pretty cool. So whenever I play those songs, any of these songs, I say, hey, I, I met the person that these <laughs> songs are written about. And... You know, and I have a picture with me and Henry, and Henry, like, I gave him a, a Forever Young t-shirt, my band, because he's, you know, a big Neil Young fan, and he loved it. I and love um, that. So you, you mentioned Forever Young, so you do a lot with Motif, but I know that you're a musician. Yeah, so that's, let's, that's let's my talk first, about yeah, that. that's my first thing. That's, that's your, that's your first talent. So you, tell me about your music journey. I know that you were in a duet, now you're in a full band, but you also perform acoustically, just folk. Yeah, I've, I've been playing, I started playing in probably... I shouldn't say the year because things will creak and the ghosts will come out. But everybody will get a I think I, down there. Yeah, I think I started playing guitar in like 1974, and um, I've been almost. It's I've been playing for almost 50 years now, and I'm you know my hand is Callous. suffering. No, it's suffering the consequences of arthritis and all kinds of you know muscle. got to get you a brace. Tendon. Well, I usually wear the brace, but I forgot to put it on, so my hand was not functioning properly tonight. Um, yeah, but I started playing because I always wanted to play music. Uh, from when I was probably, I think uh, what happened was when I was in elementary school, um, somebody brought a guitar, I think substitute teacher brought a guitar to school and played guitar. And I thought that was the coolest thing. And I wanted to play guitar from the time I was like five or six years old. And I got a little plastic guitar when I was like five or six. And that was, you know, nobody would show me how to do anything yeah. on it. And I didn't know anything and nobody would teach Strictly me. Strictly just to perform. Yeah. For and your so parents. that went on for a couple of years. And then finally, when I was in junior high school, I finally got a guitar and started taking lessons and didn't do well with lessons because less, I'm not a very structural structured person i'm so a very self-taught would you say i took lessons for a couple of months and then i quit um i learned a couple of chords and quit and i actually learned more from 
playing guitar sitting in the hallway with kids in high school than anything, like skipping class and playing guitar in the hallway. Do you remember what the first song was that you ever learned? Or that you was, ever perfected? I think it was a Cat Stevens song. I think it was Morning is Broken by Cat Stevens was probably one of the first songs I played. But That's then awesome. another one was, you know, probably Grateful Dead songs because my high school was full of Grateful Deadheads and, mm -hmm. you know, they were always playing dead songs and, you know, it was the 70s. So... But went to that, and then I wanted to play music. But then what happened was I, I got a job. I, well, actually, I went to college. I went to Rick. I went to Rick and decided to be a music major, and that lasted all of a month. Wow. <laughs> Let's hear it for John. It just, I just couldn't do it. Music, it was like, the, it was not my thing. It just, I mean, the whole structured music education mm -hmm. was not my thing, and I just stopped going and... Did it, did it take away the passion that you felt for it? It was too structured? It, it, it took away the, the passion for learning it properly, yeah, because it was like math, mm -hmm. and it really turned me off. And, you know, they were trying to steer you towards classical or jazz. And, I mean, I used I sang in the chorus there, and one of the cool things we got to do was we sang it. Well, it, it was the Ocean State back then. It's PPAC now. But we sang, we sang two and a half hours of Bach and Latin for... Uh, that was the only thing. So you thing. have that on your resume, yes. right? Yes. <laughs> it's the only thing I kept going to. I quit all my other classes, but I kept going to the chorus, and I sang that chorus with them. You still do stuff with PPAC today, right? I do a lot of uh, reviews at PPAC, and you know, I work with them on a lot of shows, do a lot of photography there, and uh, do a lot You're of You're just interviews. a jack of all trades. I mean, tell me, so, so you know, you went to college. That didn't really work out. You did the RI Songwriting Association. Well, yeah. Right? Well, that, what happened was after uh, I finally got back into music, I actually, there was a few years where I quit playing music because I had a girlfriend at that time I was engaged to when I was like 20 who was adamant about not wanting me to play music and oh. not wanting me to perform. It was Always super the jealous. girlfriend. Yes. So there was like a few years there, and I worked a full-time job. I ran a pinball arcade, get that, for five years. I ran a pinball arcade. So I did that. For, so like for five years, I didn't do anything. But when I got out of, uh, you know, working there, I went back to college. I started college again as an art major which gave me a little different thing. And I hooked up with a couple of people and started playing, uh, you know, starting to try to form a duo because I wanted to play, but I didn't want to play by myself. So I went through a few duos that didn't quite make it. So I ended up performing by myself. I think my very first gig was 37 years ago at AS220 when they first opened. I was like one of the very first people to play at AS220 when it was still over PPAC. It okay. was to be on the third floor over PPAC, and the elevator was broken, and you had to haul every stuff up, three flights of stairs, and there were holes in the wall, and there were probably rats running around, and it was, it was a very divey experience. But it was, it was a good one, because that's when it started playing, and so I started doing solo stuff, but I was not fulfilled because I wasn't having fun as a solo performer. You needed that, that partner. You well, I did. I always partner. wanted yeah. to play in a duo and especially wanted to play with a woman because I liked the blend of voices and the dual guitars mm -hmm. and stuff. And In walks Marianne. Well, ironically, sort of, what happened was is that I was running an ad in the now-defunct new paper. I used to have a, a thing in the new paper where you could run an ad for as long as you want as long as, like, if you're not satisfied the results, they'll just run it forever for you. And I put an ad in there looking for somebody to, to uh, play with. And there was an ad running next to mine who was a woman who was looking for a woman to play with. So It's kind of like that if you like pina coladas. Yeah, it, it kind of <laughs> was. And uh, what I did was I had already hooked up with somebody and it didn't work out. 
and we, we you know we practiced for months and you know that all went to waste again so it was like i was on my second or third duo i think it was my third duo that just went kaput we never mm -hmm. playing out because one was an alcoholic one decided he was going to do something else and one decided they just didn't want to play so it's yeah. like i wasted i wasted years practicing with the people so i got frustrated so i scribbled out this little piece of paper and i wrote if you're interested in being a duo and you're serious call me wrote my phone number and stuck it because it was a p.o box it wasn't even a phone number and there was no email back there so uh threw it in an envelope forgot all about it a couple of weeks later i get a phone call from this woman she goes hi you answered my ad i was like I don't remember. <laughs> that was so long ago. Yeah, it was like weeks. I totally <laughs> yeah. forgot about it. And so we started talking, and we ended up being on the phone for like three or four hours talking. And so I left it at, like, I said, well, okay, I have a gig uh, coming up next week. I said, what you can do is you can come to the gig, and I don't know what you look like, so you can come to the gig. And, you know, if you like what you hear, stick around. If you don't like what you hear, leave and never call me again. Yeah. So she liked what she heard. We connected, and... Uh, we started playing and, you know. How long did you guys play together for? Seven years. Put seven out a couple years. of albums, played all over the East Coast, uh, played a lot with a lot of really cool people. Was that folk a, music, the genre? Yeah, it was in the 90s and there was a big folk room, so we played a lot of the folk rooms that were happening. We even played like CBGBs and uh, uh, we played like a lot of places. Like there were all these, like Passim, before it was Club Passim, we had played Passim with the original people who ran Passim back from the Club 47 days. Right. And, you know, we did a lot of cool folk stuff. And uh, we did that for a while. And during that time, and we're getting, you know, getting to the Rhode Island Songwriters Association, there was, uh, you know, I had a little bit of writer's block back then because I was doing too many things. I was, you know, still working it and going to school at the same time. And, uh, you know, she had found this little flyer on a bulletin board, and it was a thing that said, Rhode Island Songwriters Association meeting next week or something. She gave it to me. She goes, maybe this will help. So I went to this meeting, and it was in some woman's house, and I didn't know any of the people, and there were like three or four people there. And they all know who I was, but I had no idea who they were, and we just sat there and talked. And I was like, well, this could be a really cool thing if, you know, people knew about it and I said you know I could think of like a ton of people off the top of my head that what would year was this there was no posting on Facebook for it I'm no assuming. it was a flyer on a bulletin board I actually still have the flyer too oh it's you know it was one of those dot matrix things you should make a t-shirt out of it I should make a t-shirt of it that would be yeah I could probably do that that, that would be, be funny fun. but it was what happened was it was a woman named Mary Whelan who started it she was a songwriter and she had just started it, had, it was like a month old, and I said to her, I said, you know, this could be really good. And, you know, I said, we should do this, this, and this. And she took, she had a folder of some names that she had, and she goes, well, here, you do it. <laughs> and that's what happened. Like, well, I guess so, I'm the leader now. <laughs> yeah, so that's what happened. I, you know, it's like I quoted myself, quoting myself what I said back there, borrowing a phrase I learned from somebody else, as my, my two cents turned to $5, and I wound up getting... Mm -hmm you know, sucked into this thing for years, and it consumed my life. For those that aren't aware, can you explain what the Rhode Island Songwriters Association is? Well, it was it was a group of people, that, well, it's still going, it's 30 years old now, and uh, it's a group of people who get together, and uh, there's workshops, there's critiques, there's uh, showcases, there's... Uh, all kinds of stuff. I've, I've, I, when I was running it, we had showcases. We used to go to Folk Alliance as a group. We, uh, we had showcases where we, you know, the performers would play their music and stuff. And it's, it's, you know, grown since then. And eventually I got to the point where I couldn't do it anymore after years and years of doing it because I was started another organization in the process called Here in Rhode Island, 
which used to be the <clears throat> excuse me used to be the name of a festival. Okay. The here in Rhode Island festival, which I ran from '94 until like 2001, um, and it was similar. It was a stupid undertaking. It was stupid. It was way too ambitious, and I learned a lot from it. But it was cool. I would have. I had four stages. It was like three days. Um, I had like a hundred performers over three days. It was crazy. And Did you take that knowledge into the Rhode Island? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It took it that I took that knowledge is what stopped me from doing anything like it again for a very long time because when I stopped doing it, I swear I'm never doing anything like this again because it was it was crazy. So. I ended up, that's how I got involved with Newport Folk Festival, though, because I took the Here in Rhode Island Festival and I said, you know, we're doing this kind of stuff. We should do a stage at Newport Folk Festival. And I talked to Bob Jones, who uh, just passed away a couple of months ago, who was the great person behind the, the uh, Newport Folk Festival. That is my inspiration and one of my mentors as far as what I do. Um, really great guy. Met him about 30-something years ago. And... Uh, went to him and asked him if I could run a stage at the folk festival and he said sure and he gave me a stage and I ran a stage there for nine years and uh, I brought in all local artists and uh, it was it was great it, we you know do it and uh, I can one of the memories I have is Erin McCown playing and she had just started playing and she was uh, out there in the crowd and she had somebody selling her CDs, and you know, she, you had like fifteen minute sets, and in fifteen minutes, she sold six hundred dollars worth of, of cassette tapes back then. And what are those? Yeah, what are those? <laughs> but yeah. So during this time, was Forever Young a thing, or did it? When? How long no, has that been going on? No, Your that's Neil Young tribute yeah, band. That was a that was another thing. That was an overlap thing. I think that was, I after. After, there's probably like a phase of my time after the Fusica Sony days, I kind of stopped playing music for a few, years, a few years again and started getting into it again when I recorded my Dog's Age CD around, that was like 18, 20 years ago I recorded it and decided I kind of half-heartedly got into music again, music again. But it was when you go back into it after you've done it, it's like you kind of have to start all over again, mm -hmm. and it's frustrating, especially with original music. It's a very hard thing. You have to beat your way up to the top all yeah. the time. And so I was actually, this was in the early YouTube days. I was watching, I was fascinated with YouTube. I was finding all these videos of songs that I loved, and I would just get mesmerized. It was kind of like when MTV first started. Yeah. I mean, I watched MTV like almost immediately and was sucked in by MTV, and it was kind of like the same thing with YouTube. And... Uh, I got mesmerized by these Neil Young videos, which I'd never seen a lot of them because we never had access to them. Mm -hmm. You didn't really see most of this stuff. And so I was just mesmerized and I was just thinking to myself, I said, it would be really fun just to go out and play Neil Young songs some night and just not stress out. But I don't want to play, I didn't want to play cover stuff where it was all mixing up. I just wanted to do a show of Neil Young songs, mm -hmm. acoustic. And I called up Dan Lilly and I called up Mark Cutler and I called up Becky Chase, they're all friends of mine, and said, do you want to do this show? And they're like, yeah, that sounds great. So we were going to do an in-the-round show of Neil Young songs. Like each person was going to play a solo Neil Young song. Mm -hmm. Nobody was going to play together. We were just gonna, If we knew each other, we'd jump in with a harmony or a lead. or. A Where was the first gig? 
<laughs> and how did the first gig go by that lamp? Well, I'm a bit curious. the first gig, I don't want to mention the place because I don't like the venue, so I'm not going to mention it because I don't want to denigrate the venue publicly. Drama but there. I don't like the venue anymore. But the venue at that time, I was working with them. They've had a change of management, and the place is kind of a, it's kind of a joke, and I don't really support it. But back then, it was cool, and they were doing a lot of shows back then. But we did this show, and in the meantime, Pete Venditswale, I had run into him. He was a friend of a friend, and um, he decided he wanted to play, too. It was like, sure, why not? We can't have enough people. So we had five people on stage. So anyway, we did the show. We, we were just saying, ah, oh, this would be great if we got, like, 20 people to the show. We'll have a blast. We get to the show. We come out to play, and there were, like, 250 people out there, and people were sitting in the aisles. And a lot they of were, Neil Young fans. They were turning people away at the door. They couldn't fit any people, like, sitting on the floor in front of the – I mean, it was just – there was no place to put anybody else. And we were just like, oh, my gosh, how did this happen? And then they paid us, and we are like, holy shit, this is amazing. <laughs> we can really do this. Yes, and so we were like – we just had fun, and we thought it was a one-off thing. We called the show Forever Young because one of the duos I had before Marianne and I, I called the duo Forever Young, and I had made a logo for it, and I had done all this work for it, and I was, never got used. So I said, well, I'll yeah. use this, and I'll call, the, I'll call the show Forever Young. It wasn't the band. It was a show called Forever Young. So we did it, and then pretty soon people were asking us to do the show again, and then we did it at Lupo's, Played at Lupo's and uh, at the Strand, and uh, we had to add a bass player and a drummer and make it a real band. So all of a sudden we had this seven-piece band, and it was like, wow. And then we started doing, we started getting gigs, and eventually we added another person because we added a violin player. And then it just, it was we had this huge band, and it was this big sound, and we were playing, we were selling out venues and stuff, and it was crazy. And, you know, we did that for years and years, and eventually Mark, uh, Becky decided to retire from the band because she was going into teaching and mm -hmm. didn't have time. And uh, a couple of years later, Mark retired from the band because he was doing a lot of stuff with uh, his band. The Schemers were getting busy again and the Men of Great Courage and the Tiny String Band. And and our drummer died in the process. He had cancer and he died, unfortunately. And, uh, but you guys were still playing today, Yeah, we right? were still playing. Yeah, we're so still long, 17 years. How long years. is that, about 17, 17 years. years? And the core members, the, the three original members... Myself, Dan Lilly, and Pete Venditwale are still the original members, but now we have Gary St. Germain, who's in the Renowned Music Hall of Fame from Riz. He was in the band Riz. And Sean Finnity, who was in the Renowned Music Hall of Fame, he was, I don't know the name of the country band he was in. He was in a country band. And Amy Bedard, who's a violin player. And Amy is somebody I've known for probably 35 years because I met her because she dated my brother, like, from high school. Aww. So we live in the, we live a mile Rhode away Island. from each other. Yeah, it's Rhode Island. It's a it's me, Gary, and Amy all went to the same high school like ten years apart, mm -hmm. and you know I've known Dan forever, and I've you know we just and the funny thing about Pete, which is like funny, is that Pete grew up next to my grandfather, and he didn't know it until like after we played our first gig. He says, "Oh, John Fusing." I grew I was next I grew up next that to John Fusick. Oh, that's your grandfather? Oh, how did I not put that together? <laughs> Surprised you guys didn't end up being related, honestly, <laughs> with how these things work out. It's it it's you know, it's a, you know, the six degrees of separation in the uh in the band, but it's 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 a good band. It's a fun band. Yeah. If you could play with any musician, be as creative as you'd like, who would it be? I, I'd love to play with Neil Young, but I would probably hate it 
because Neil is a... I used to work with Neil Young's former road manager at the Newport Folk Festival, and he would tell me stories about the, what was the word he used? Uh, oh, I can't think of the exact word, but petulant child that Neil Young was is what he referred to as, and from my research and knowing stuff about Neil Young, I believe it. He's a tough guy to... Uh, to deal with. So you you are in charge of Rhode Island Folk Fest. We we talked a little bit about how you got experience from your yeah. other festival for this. So how long has that been running? The Rhode Island Folk Festival actually was started in I can't remember if it was like at the end of it was like in December of 2013, I think. Cuz what happened is I was doing the Downtown Sundown series at uh Roger Williams Memorial Downtown Providence and down on uh, South Main Street. And uh, the ranger, John McNiff, called me up one day and says, you have to do a folk festival here. I was like, I don't want to do a folk festival. He's like, come on, come on, we can do the, the Providence Folk Festival. I said, I don't want to do it. Come on, come on. I said, I'll think about it. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> so he re didn't relent, and he convinced me to do the, the, the Providence Folk Festival. And I was like, all right. So I started really small and started, did it smart this time, started small, started small, started everything real simple. Where did it start out? At the Rhode Island, uh, excuse me, Roger Williams National Memorial, okay. downtown Providence, right down the hill from the State House, and that was in 2014, and we did it there for f four years, I think, until they decided not to have events there anymore, mm -hmm. and it changed the whole dynamic because we didn't know what we were going to do after that because we had no idea. You know, I was running this thing primarily by myself. I had a couple of people helping me at the time, but it was still primarily John doing this thing. I had a couple of people that would help me out, but it got crazy. So, you know, people wanted to, wanted me to keep it going, so I had to go find a place. So I looked at a bunch of places around the state and happened upon the place across from the Luf Carousel in East Providence. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is perfect. And we moved it there in uh, 2019. And it's been, and it. That's which, where it's been for the past. That's where it's been years. for the past uh, four, four, five. We're in a next year will be our tenth year. Okay. And, uh, and that's all local musicians, correct? Not all local. No, no. We have a lot of local performers, but I bring in national performers or Primarily regional. folk. Yeah, it's I'm well. Assuming. Yeah, it's. I try to keep it at the acoustic. Uh, you know, in the unplugged fashion. Like we had the Fools play once and the Fools are a rock band, mm -hmm. but they came in and did an unplugged set and they were amazing. And I had, uh, this year we had um, uh, Charlie Farron play. Mm -hmm. Now Charlie used to play with the Joe Perry Project and okay. he played with a band called Fahrenheit. He was a rock guitarist. He does solo openings in arenas for like Sticks and REO Speedwagon. He still does it, right? He came out with his acoustic guitar Played and he owned that whole area just with his and his acoustic guitar, and so I I've been booking that main well we don't like it's not the ba main stage it's the band shell stage. How many stages are there? There were three stages. Three stages, and it's always the last last Sunday in August. Okay, everybody mark your calendars. It's for that. August. I think it's August twenty fifth to twenty sixth. It's the last Sunday in August, and, and it's, that'll be in Riverside. Yes, Riverside across okay. from the Loof Carousel. Allison Callery and uh, Ava Callery run the Songbird stage, which is, she brings in a, an eclectic mix of singer-songwriters, all different styles. It's amazing. And we had a beer garden this year, so it made it, you could hang out in the beer garden, drink beer, and watch the 
Then, Here in folk, it's like a match made in heaven. And then we have Beth Barron, who uh, and Anthony Lafredo, who run the. Uh, well, we're changing the name of it because she doesn't like the emerging artist stage. But it's the emerging artist stage until we come up with a better name. It's in the it's in the gazebo, and Beth is a a dynamo in the Rhode Island music world. She is. I'm grooming her to when I get too old. I'm hoping take that over. she takes over everything. Hear that, Beth? I want you to take over. <laughs> when I get too old and creaky. A few years down the road. But, you know, we got a children's stage. We have Mark Cutler does a songwriter workshop. We have like, we had like 2,000 people this year. John, you are just doing so much. For everybody out there who is curious to see what you're doing next and all the info for the RI Folk Fest, where, where can they can they follow you? Do you do, you do, do, you do Instagram? Or no. Do you know what Facebook is? <laughs> I'm on Facebook. I hate Facebook. I don't do Instagram. I don't twit. Is the there tweet. a website? Come on, the Rhode Island, Rhode Island Folk Festival is RhodeIslandFolkFestival.com. Uh, the uh, Rhode Island Songwriters Association is RhodeIslandSongwritersAssociation.com. I have nothing to do with it anymore, but I'll give them a plug because it's a good organization. Uh, Forever Young is Forever Young Neil Young Tribute.com. And my own website is johnfusic.com, F-U-Z-E-K. So, Wonderful. And then you can always listen to my stuff uh, on the motif. RI.com website mm -hmm. with the podcast and my the columns and the Roots Report, everything, my photographs. We didn't even touch on the photographs, but I photographs know. is something I've been doing for a long time. We need we need a full few hours. Yes, I, I need a documentary crew yeah. to follow me around and harass me or something. Well, maybe we'll get you back here and we can pick up where we left off. Uh, that'll be great. All right. Well, thank, thank you, Tess. Thank you so much, John. Thank you so much to the parlor. Thank you to our sponsors, thank R1 you, Mike. and Dark Harding. Um, Trinity Beer Garden, R.I. Blood Bank, R.I. Energy, Mother Earth Wellness. And make sure to check out The Roots Report. I'm Tess Lyons, and we'll see you next week with Allison Callery. Not next week, but next time. Thanks.